Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about productivity. How many would like to be more productive in their, in their life? No? Okay, well, you know, well, then just endure this for a few minutes, okay? Just endure this for a few minutes. Go, take your Bible with me. A very common passage of Scripture. I'm sure you know it. And, of course, when I say it, you're going to be like, yep, I know exactly what you're going to say. But hold on. I'll say some other things that you didn't quite predict. Uh, Luke 10, verse 40. Jesus said, but Martha... Or, or, uh, verse 4, he says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Uh, the kids have this saying, and, and, and I got a lot of young adults uh, that are always at my house, and they're, they're worshiping, and, and uh, some students, they're always hanging out at my house. They got this saying, though, uh, when, they, when they talk about you know, certain individuals in the group, they'll say something like, uh, 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 you know, like, I, I got to pick the right one. They'll say something like, well, AZ, AZ's just doing too much. You know what I mean? And you know, that's an expression like, oh, he's just doing too much. That's what they'll say. And, and really what they mean by that is they're saying, you just, you're just trying to draw, I think, I think this is what you're trying to say. Just help me. I think what they're trying to say is, I, 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 I think what they're trying to say is that you're just trying to gain the attention, everyone, and you're just trying too hard. Is that kind of right? That's kind of accurate. Okay. So, so, so what Martha was, she, Martha was just doing too much. She was just doing too much. And how do you know if you're doing too much? You know you're doing too much when you're doing it for attention rather than transformation. Ah, there we go. I'm talking to this crowd over here. Yeah, you know you're doing too much when you're looking for the affirmation rather than the transformation that comes from God's presence. That's how you know you're working too hard, you're, you're doing too many things, you're trying, you're trying too hard. You know, I say this and I say this unapologetically. Now, some of y'all are going to get mad at me because you called me and I didn't answer you. But I want you to know that I don't answer my phone but a few hours of the day. If you call me at the wrong time, I'm not answering. Because just because I come from the old school. Remember? Remember when the phone was connected to the wall? And you actually had to be home to answer that thing. Because just because I am available doesn't mean I should be available. Just because my phone is with me all the time doesn't mean you have access to me all the time. Because my time, I have to be accountable for my time. My time is an asset that I only got so much of. And so I got to be real productive with it. I can't just be doing everything. I can't be taking every phone call. I can't be having every meeting. I got to have some meetings. I got to have one meeting, but I can't have every meeting. Listen to me when I tell you this. Everybody is called to one thing. Nobody, nobody is called to everything. You hear me? You hear me? Some of y'all need the liberty of what I'm, about, what I'm saying here. Everybody is called to one thing. Something. You're called to something. You're just not called to everything. And we live in a society that wants you to be called to everything. Wants you to serve everywhere. 
wants you to do everything. And if we're not careful, we'll take our identity, we'll take our, our validation from what we do. And if we get our validation from what we do, then you know what we'll do? As much as we possibly can. Now, now hear me right when I tell you this. This is not an excuse to be lazy. I'm not telling you that you get to do nothing. I'm telling you, you got to do the one thing that God's called you to do, and you got to figure it out. You're running out of time. If you don't know what the one thing is or the something is in your life that you're supposed to be doing, man, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. The wall is closing in fast. The grave is waiting. you got to get busy, and you've got no time to be doing everything you've got to find the one thing that you're anointed to do you've got to find the something that god has created you to do you got to find it you got to figure it out so let's define let's let's say some more things about the one thing something is the one thing that maximizes effectiveness and brings the greatest fulfillment to the life of the believer something one thing, something is the one thing. You gotta find your something. Something is the one thing that maximizes your productivity in the, it is your sweet spot. It, when you're doing it, there's a sweet spot on the bat. I never played baseball, I didn't like it. But they tell me that on a bat, there's a sweet spot. If you swing that bat, you don't have to swing it as hard as you would if you hit it in the right place. you got to find that place in your life. That's the something that God's anointed you for, and you've got to discover it. Now, the problem is when you're doing the wrong thing and you know what the right thing, the one thing is, then there's this area where you gotta, you've got to find a way. Hook, hook, hook up with me. you got to find a way to get yourself from doing the wrong thing to doing the one thing. And I'm not telling you to stop doing this. I'm saying do this until that works itself in, into fullness. Too many out here, I don't wanna hurt nobody's feelings. Like, you, that means if you, found, if you didn't make the right decisions in your life, right? And I didn't. I spent 10 years working myself into the, to the one thing. I, I was doing the wrong thing, but then it took me 10 years to get to the, to the one thing because I made the wrong decisions, it, it, and so I was doing the wrong thing. But you know what I did? What I had to do was keep doing the wrong thing, and then I had to do the one thing at the same time. And so I had to do the wrong thing and the one thing simultaneously until the one thing became the only thing that supplied my need in my life. So if you're not doing the one thing yet and you're doing the wrong thing, don't just quit doing the wrong thing. I'm talking about jobs now. Too many people just up and quitting stuff and then, and don't, and then, and then, and then you're just lost and then you, you delay your, your one thing arrival even more. So you're going to have to work hard. Everything is equally tempting and destructive when you're a visionary. This, this here, this, this is going to help you. It's going to liberate you. See, I'm around visionaries 24-7. It's like everywhere I go. 
go. I walk into rooms and there are people in that room with vision, great vision, expensive vision. Vision costs you money, huh, Rachel? Yeah, Louis, Louis come with a price tag, Jack. If Pastor Lou walks in a room, the budget is $10,000 to start with. 10 grand, man, that's where the vision starts, you know what I mean? Because to a visionary, here's what I want you to know, to a visionary, it's tempting to, and deceitful to believe that you can do what you see. But it's destructive to what you're called to do. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you're supposed to do it. Just because you have the vision for it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be the one that carries it out. Now, we visionaries, we struggle here. We struggle here because we figure, well, if they won't do it, then I'll do it for them. And then you know what we do? Everything becomes the thief of one thing. Everything begins to pick the pocket of the one thing that you're supposed to be doing because you're so busy trying to do what you see as a visionary. Now, I want you to know if you're in this room tonight, you're a visionary. If you called on the name of the Lord, you fly at 40,000 feet, you see different than everybody else. You don't see like the world. You see different than the world. You see things at 40,000 that others see at the base of the mountain that they can't possibly begin to imagine. You know that most churches are, 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 like, are, are less than, like, I think it's like 200 people in them. And so a, a lot of our conversations is, why are you asking somebody who has no experience doing the one thing you're doing, and you're asking somebody who does everything for advice to do your one thing? They have no, they have no clue what it's, what it's like to do what you do. And I want you to know, they don't have no clue. We got no business asking the world for advice. You got no business. You're a leader. You, you have vision. God's given you the vision of heaven. So you, you're, you're, you fly at an altitude where you're able to see it, but just because you can see it doesn't mean you're supposed to do it. And this becomes, this becomes the downfall. Because as visionaries, we believe that if we can see it, we should be doing it. But that's not true. It's, it's tempting to believe you can, and it's destructive to do it. So as visionaries, we have to be very selective and disciplined. As a visionary of God, with, with the vision that God has given you, you have to be very selective and disciplined. Saying no is going to be hard but necessary. Limiting your time to your one thing is, is critical to to not your success, but to God's success through you. Everything is a thief of one thing. Stop doing everything and start doing something. Stop doing everything. It's simple. Stop doing everything and start doing something. Everything is that which distracts you from the priority of the sacred. I'll say it again. Everything is that which distracts you from the priority of the sacred. You gotta make a list. You gotta make a list and you gotta figure out what is the one thing, what is the something that God's wanting me to do. And, And this is where it gets scared because faith, faith now will take you into places 
that will make you question every decision. It's scary, scary, scary to come out of what you know into what you don't know. Everything is known. One thing is faith. Start doing a few things consistently rather than everything occasionally. Craig Rochelle says this. He said, great leaders do consistently what average leaders do occasionally. Tell me what your disciplines are like. What are your consistent disciplines like? I'll tell you if you're walking in your one thing. I'll tell you if you're getting close to your one thing. Everything is poor stewardship. If you're trying to do everything, you, you are, you're wearing yourself out. You're spending more money than you should. You're spending more time than you should, right? You're, 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 you're wasting resources because everything is poor stewardship. One thing maximizes what God gave you. If God gave you two, then, then, then that's what you got. You don't need to have four. God gave you two. You can use two because one thing maximizes stewardship. Everything is poor stewardship. Something is always effective. One thing, something is always effective. Everything is always, is always ineffective. If you do one thing, you can, you can go seven miles at a time compared to if you try to do everything, you go seven inches at a time. We're trying to do everything moving at seven inches where God said, if you just do one thing, I'll move you faster in one thing than you could, than you could do in everything. But once again, the reason you're doing everything is because you're looking for the affirmation of the world rather than the, than the uh, transformation of God. So God will use the one thing and he'll bring transformation not just to you, but to everybody around you. If you just figure out what the one, this is why he said to Martha, Martha, you're doing everything. I don't need you to do everything. I need you to do one thing. What's your one thing? Tonight, when you talk about it, what's your one thing? What's God called you to do? You have to become a reductionist in your life. You know, I hated math, but I'm a great reductionist. If a problem comes to me, I'm going to reduce that joker down to its barest components. I'm going to say, now that's what it really is. I'm going to remove everything away from the problem, and I'm going to say, no, no. If you take everything else away from it, that's what it is. And you've got to do that in your life. You've got to begin to, like, reduce your life and say, what is my life? What, God, what is my life? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? What's the one thing? And that means you've got to pull stuff out until you get to, the, until you get to it, your barest components and say, that's it right there. So you got to learn to say no instead of yes. You want to do this? Yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. You want to go here? Yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. Instead of, did God tell you to do that? Is that where God's taking you? Is that, ha, does that have anything to do with your future? Are we supposed to be doing that? Should we, is that, are we supposed to go? Are we supposed to partner there? Are we supposed to go to this place? No, no. What is the one thing that God has called us to do? Something is always effective. Continuing to move from one thing to another would deplete you. Whew. 
we got to quit in the kingdom. We've got to stop being fascinated with revelation. We have got to stop this. We handle God like, give me a revelation, give me a revelation, give me a revelation. Oh, that one's good. Give me a revelation, give me a revelation. And we move through, we move through our, our walk of faith from one profound thing from God, then, okay, we, te- we weary of that, we throw that one aside, and say, oh, what's the next amazing thing of God in the earth? You know God's amazing all by himself. If he never gave you another revelation, your salvation is amazing all by itself. He, we've got to stop going from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. Man, I am so tired of having a circus and then having another circus and then having a, and, then, and then repackage again and do it again. You know what? I just want, let's just make this thing real simple. Let's just make this thing real simple. And so what we've done here at Church on the North Coast is, is, is we've, done, we've, we've reduced ministry to five things. People will always come up to me and they'll say, hey, did you hear about this dude and what he's doing out here in this place? And I'm like, yeah. And I try not to be mean. I, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't, I'm not mean. I, but, but I'm perceived as mean because I don't participate. How come, you're not, how come you won't go do this, this, or that? I'm like, because I do five things. And I don't do anything past five things because those are the five things that God's told me to do. And I'm not going to exceed and I'm not going to reduce. I'm not, those are the five things. What do you do, Troy? I do five things. You want to know what they are? I do gatherings. I do worship. I do students. I do life groups. And I do community. What you do? I do five things. I can't do that. Why? Because that's more than five things. And God only gave me five things to do. And those five things, if we do them right, they take all of our time. They take all of our resources. They take all of our anointing. Everything. So when they say, Troy, what do you do? I say, I can't do that. Then the, people been bugging me. Real close people to me too. Troy, you gotta go. You gotta meet this guy. He's doing this thing, and he's doing, you, you gotta be a part of it. And I'm like, no, I don't, because I do five things. Like, no, you do, man, because because I'm telling you, man, you don't want to miss it. I'm not gonna miss it. I do five things. You know how disciplined you have to be to look at at, at certain individuals in your life and tell them that's nice, but I do five things. You know how disciplined you got to be to look at somebody who's deeper in the faith, who has more, who has more maturity in the faith in you and say, that's okay. I mean, I, 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 I think I'm glad. I think that's great. But you know what I do? I do five things. I do gatherings. I host amazing gatherings that are present-centric. Because I believe the power of God is present when we gather. And I believe the enemy knows that. I believe he understands that. And I believe it's been a demonic attack on the church ever since the beginning of time that God's always attempted, that the enemy has always attempted to separate God's people because he knows the power of our unity. He knows the power. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And where I see unity, I will pour out my blessing. I will command my blessing to come there. And he knows it. And so what he'll do? He'll keep us from gathering. So what do you do, Troy? I gather. 
And, and I'm committed to gathering. I'm committed to making our gatherings a present-centric. Not, not pri- not the, pri- the priority is not on you know, three songs and a sermon. The presence is the center of what we do. And that we're gonna gather and we're gonna focus on the presence of Jesus and we're gonna stay there until he, we're gonna tarry until he comes and we're not gonna move until he comes. Why? Because we do gatherings. We gather. We don't have church. We gather in the name of Jesus. The name above every name. We gather in his name. And when we gather, he shall visit us. That's what I do. I do gatherings. What else do you do? I I do worship. We do worship. We're committed to providing a worship experience because we believe this world is desperate and mad and they need a demonstration of what it means to really worship. They need the presence of God to be tangible in worship. So we're committed to presence-centered worship. We're, we're not up here singing songs, you know. We're not up here singing songs. We say this, you know. We're like, hey, we just start with the songs we know until we get to the song of the Lord we don't know. Because it's presence we're after. Because presence is transformational. Presence is the one thing that God called us to do. So we do, we, we do gatherings and we do worship and we do students. What do you mean? We do students. We don't, we, all, all of our focus is right here. It's on this front row. This is the next 40 years. This is all we think about. This is, this is, this is it, man. That's it. Uh, uh, what we want to do right now is we're not playing a short game. We're not playing for tomorrow. We're not playing for the week after that. You know what? I, I've, I've made this rule. I guess I could say it. Uh, I don't know. Can I say this? I don't know. I don't know. But I said this. I I say this a lot. I say, man, I'm not hiring anybody over the age of 30. What? No, man. No, because if you want to reach them, then you 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 gotta have somebody that carries the anointing, that knows, that, that is connected, that I, you can only reach down so far. So, so we're committed to, to, to our students from zero to, to 28, man. We're, we're here and we're committed to raising a generation. We're committed to letting them dance on our ceiling, to th- throw shoving them in front of us and say, God, use them, Holy Spirit, uh, take over them, God. God, you know, take this city, sweep this nation with them. We're, we're committed to 40 years from now playing a long game. So I, we do gatherings, worship, and students. Man, that's a lot. I, I, if we were just to do those three things, you, you have your hands full, man. You have your hands full just doing those three things. That's a lot. If you're really going to empower them, you can't just give them a little bit of power. You've got to give them it all. You, you know, that's, that's the thing. When you say you're going to empower somebody. So, so good leaders, good leaders assign tasks. Great anointed leaders empower people to build culture we're so busy you see because that's everything good leaders average leaders will follow up on every task they gave you but the best leaders will give you the power and say paint the room whatever color you want right because sometimes they're going to paint it the wrong color and sometimes they're going to do it the wrong way and you're going to be like you're empowered 
I didn't give you a little power. I gave you all the power. And, and that means I trust you to create the culture of the kingdom with whatever it is you're doing. I'm not here to micromanage your assignments. And we've got to stop trying to micromanage the kingdom. We've got to stop trying to like only trust God if it fits into what we think it should look like uh, in our kids' lives or in our marriage life or in our friendships. We've got to like, we've got to remove all of those you know, preconceived ideas and we've got to let God just be God. He said, in the last days I'm going to come and I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh so we got to empower so so we i do five things gatherings worship students life groups life groups we do we believe that the power of the gospel will only be known in relationship jesus took you know what jesus did he took out the loophole he took out the the way to kind of manipulate, you know? He became, the word became flesh and said, gotcha, gotcha. You can't just know my word and not know my person. <laughs> so it's like, we can't just know the word and not know one another. So we must, so, so Jesus, he became the word, the word became flesh, and he said, he said I'm gonna get 12 guys and I'm gonna enter into a covenant with those guys and we're gonna change the world. We believe, we believe relationships will change the world if we commit to them. And that's the problem. That's the problem. We live in a society that believes that people are disposable. We believe, we believe just like they do that the moment you don't agree exactly like me, the, the moment you don't walk just like me, if you, if you don't talk just like me, if you don't look just like me, if you don't, you know, do, then, then, you, then I cut you off and I get rid of you. You know how many friends I lost in the last four years? I thought they were friends. But you know what? You know what I said? I cut down a tree with a butter knife before I will compete in the kingdom. I won't do it. I will not do it. I'm not going to compete with you. First of all, you can't beat me. Secondly, I'm not going to compete with you. I walk out of a room. I'll stop talking. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just not going. I'm just not going to do it because relationships are more important than than positions. The power of the gospel is known relationships. We'd rather, you know what? I'm telling you. I say this with, with, with sincerity. I'd rather you know the people to the right and left of you than just come here on Wednesday and Sundays and walk out of here. Because there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to need more than a, than a seat. You're going to need more than a sermon, more than a song. You're going to need, a, you're going to need an embrace. You're going to need a, a word of maturity. You're going to need somebody to look you in the eyes and say you are made for more than what you're going through. You're going to need a word from God that comes from a man or woman of God that knows you and knows the call of God on your life and won't let you belittle what God put in you. So relationships matter. So what do you do? We do five things. We're going to do five things. We're going to do gatherings, worship, students, life groups, and community. Community missions. Here's what, here's what the community means. We're going to give back to our community. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to visit the widow, take care of her. We're going to, we're going to take in the orphan. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to put people in our house. That's how it My wife, as soon as the bedroom gets empty in our house, she goes looking for kids. She will. She takes it serious. She's like, hey, I found a little kid down the road. We should just let him move in with us. We ain't got no parents. Where's his parents? He ain't got no family. 
creating hope, making a difference, leaving a legacy. That's community missions. Creating hope, making a difference, leaving a legacy. We believe that at Church on the North Coast, we're, we're made to create hope in our community. We're made to make a difference in our community. We're made to create legacies of faith. Rahab was a harlot. From, she went from a harlot in the Old Testament to the family of Jesus in the New Testament. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So what do you do, Troy? Hey, you gonna help me with this? You gonna go down the road and do this and, and do this? You gonna help me build this thing over here? No, because I got five things that I do, brother, and I can't do anything more than that because what God's given me is enough. And then let me tell you something. What God has given us is enough. So real quick, six things. Serve people, not services or agendas. It's real easy, it's real easy to make the, the, the service, to make the people serve the service. Whatever it is that God's called you, you, you are here to serve people and not services, not agendas, not your mission. You are here to serve, we are here to serve people. Our one thing must serve people. It's real easy. It's real easy to make Sunday about lights, cameras, smoke, twinkly lights, pianos, drums. It's real easy to say, you're here to serve that. But the opposite is true. That is here to serve you. To serve him what? The presence of Jesus. That's why we're here. So whatever your one thing is, I want you to know, God gave it to you to serve people. He gave his life a ransom to serve. Number two, power is for serving, not for promotion. I want you to know, you do this, you, you, your one thing, God will always give power where he gives purpose. Wherever your one thing is, God will anoint it. How will you know if you're doing the wrong thing? His presence won't be there. You know how many people I see out here trying to hustle up something God's not in? They're trying to hustle up something. I tried to do it one time. I tried to do it. I saw my dude, I saw my dude, he was selling cars. He'd go and he, he'd buy a car and he'd sell a car. He'd buy a car and sell I said, man, I want to do that. Here, here, here's take a couple grand. Take a couple grand. He said, come with me, we'll do it. So this is no joke. We get in the car, we go to this auction. I, he said, he said, buy that truck. I bought that truck. He said, get in it now. Let's drive it home. We're going to sell this thing for two grand more than you, than you bought it for. I said, oh man, this, is, this must be God. We're about to make some money. I'm driving that thing home. I'm on. I-90 headed west right around Martin Luther King Boulevard where it get, turns into four lanes of traffic. That truck is making a god-awful noise. It's going, ah! It's just screaming going down the hallway, and it feels hot in it. You know, I'm like, it's hot in here, man. It's just, it just feels hot in here, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, fire came up from underneath me. Fire came in the truck. I felt like Ricky Bobby, man. I pulled, I four lanes of traffic, I pulled all the way over. I jumped out the truck, and I'm running, and Lou, my dude, is running to the truck. I'm like, it's it's gonna blow, it's gonna blow. And he's like, no. And he goes and he pops in and he, he starts, took, took his shirt off right there, took his shirt off, starts putting out the fire. I lost so much money. I lost $2,000 trying to hustle up something because God wasn't in it. God didn't, God anoints what he called you to do. God's presence and power will be on what he called you to do. Your one thing, God will not be on everything. 
God will not waste his, hear me, God will not waste his presence on your everything pursuit so you can feel good about you. So if you do this, you can't do it for you. Because with, with your one thing comes great power. I mean, there's great influence when you find your one thing. Your one thing comes, it's prepackaged with the power and the presence of God. Your everything comes devoid of his presence. Have you ever tried to do something without his presence? It's like a truck catching on fire, going down I-90 about 75 miles an hour. It catches on fire, just goes up in, in smoke. <laughs> Number three, division is anything that violates vision. Oh, you should hear me. Division is anything that violates vision. Saying yes to everything brings division. So saying no brings clarity. Stop saying yes to everything. Stop doing everything and start doing one thing. Number four, we're better doing less together than more individually. People are going to get mad at me for this one. You're going to get mad at me right now. We are better doing less together than we are doing more individually. <laughs> this means you should just kind of do what God called you to do, the one thing, right where you are, and stop running down the road and doing everything. God didn't call you to do everything. He called you to do one thing. And, and God didn't call you to do what somebody else did. He called you to do what you're supposed to do. And we would be a whole lot more empowered if we would just say, God, I'm going to do what you called me to do. And I'm going to trust that what you called me to do is going to contribute to what you are already doing with your church in the earth. And I'm, and I'm going I'm to take my small piece, and I'm going to add it. It's not small. It's not small. Collectively, synergistically, it makes an enormous impact, way more of an impact than you trying to do everything. So your one thing plus my one thing is more powerful than everything. My one thing, your one thing, your one thing, your one thing, your one thing is way more powerful than you doing everything. Number five, the difference between excellence and perfection is pride. I say this because we have to continue to improve our one thing until excellence compared to the last time we did it. So we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. You do your one thing better tomorrow than you did it yesterday. You don't try to do it better than the other person. You're doing your one thing better tomorrow than you did it yesterday because we're looking to just be excellent if you're if you're excellent you're saying god here here's the best i got here's the best i got to serve you and your people perfection is the lie it's a, it's, it's it's delusional and it's and it's attached to pride and if you catch yourself trying to be a perfectionist it's because you're prideful and you want the appearance of perfection so you get the affirmation and the validation of the world. But God says, if you just give me the best you got, 
Just give me the best you got covered in faith. It don't, it don't have to, I'm not looking for perfection. We're not looking for perfection. God said, just give me the best you got covered in faith. And number six, I close. The Bible is your one thing source. The Bible. <laughs> I, I just, no, no, I'm not going to say that. I've always lived with the awareness of this. and I, I'll read books. I'm a reader, man. I love to read. Man, I, 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 there are seasons in my life where I'll just consume books. I just, I just eat them up. You know, I'll just, and, uh, you know, I, I read a study one time. It said that if you read one book a month for 10 years, you rise to the top 10% of your profession if you read that. It's a Harvard study. And then I thought, you know, I said, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to get there in half the time. I'm going to read two books a month, and, and I'm going to get there in five years. And, and, and actually went and actually, actually did it. And, and it's true. It's true. Readers are, you know, you read books, it's, it's amazing. But, but just like I said earlier, like the one thing that God's called you to do, the source of the one thing is that Bible. It's not, it's not found in a bunch of other books. You can take tools, you can extrapolate principles from other things, but I want you to know, you know, at the end of the day, th those are just, those are just like great ideas from, from, from men and women. That Bible, that's breathe of the Lord to reveal the one thing he's called you to do. It's there to let you know the something God's called you to do. It's there. He said, I have written these things so that you would know. He wrote these things so you would know your one thing. So I want to encourage you. Use that Bible as the compass to direct you to your one thing. Make a list. Once you get that list down, don't do anything other than that. What do you do? I do five things. Next time somebody asks you, what, hey, what do you do? I do, I do three things. I do two things. I do five things, man. And I, and I go at them hard. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not, I'm not going to be unproductive. I'm not trying to do everything. I'm going to do five things. Let's pray. Lord, help us to do the things that are most needed. Speak to us now, God, about what it is that we're not supposed to be doing. Talk to us about the everything in our life that is a distraction from the one thing that will make us most productive for you in the earth. Remove every distraction, take away, God. Capture our attention, God, with your presence. Rebuke us if you need to, God. Correct us, challenge us. But God, let us not, let us not come to the end of our days and let it be said of us that we wasted our life on everything when you made clear the one thing. Bless your people tonight. I declare strength, victory, blessing over their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, every, everyone said amen. Amen. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being with us tonight. Church on the North Coast. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless you.